Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL playoffs are right around the corner. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship or someone to upset Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to betonline.org. The NHL is starting also this year. Who are you putting your money on? From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope the holidays were good to everybody. I'm back this week with a different type of podcast. Usually I'm talking to one person, but this week I'm talking to three of probably the smartest and most athletic brothers I've known. They've won multiple awards, both academically as well as athletically, which we'll get into later. The parents should write a book on how to raise three boys who are great kids and how how to schedule so many activities. Welcome to the Salerno brothers, Michael, Matthew, and Chris. Gentlemen, thanks for allowing me into the house uh, to do this with you. It's nice to know that I am absolutely not near the smartest person sitting at this table. And if we took my GPA and multiplied it by, well, forget it. Anyway, welcome, guys. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Thank you. Um, you know, your dad and your uncle were pretty good multi-sport athletes. Are are you better than them? And do you talk crap to them about how good you are and about how good they were? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we we always play horse outside with the basketball, the basketball hoop. And, I mean, that was the one sport that the three of us never played. And that was – Uncle Butch and my dad's best sport. And I mean, we're still better than them at it. So yeah, I, I remember watching your uncle Butch play and he, he was a pretty good, you know, point guard. And then I remember watching your dad play and then both on the football field. But back then Crespi didn't have a soccer team and most certainly they didn't have a lacrosse team, which you guys all played and, and we will get into, but Michael, let's start with you. Crespi class of 17 football, soccer, lacrosse, also on the swim team. You ran track your sophomore year. You finished your high school GPA with a high school career with a GPA of 4.57. Did you ever get a B? And what would have happened if you got a B? Yeah, at the end, senior senioritis kicked in and got a couple got a couple B pluses. I think at the end. What happened? Bad final exam. Yeah, a couple of bad finals probably. Uh, that's great. And now. Um, Matthew, uh, one year later, 2018, soccer, football, lacrosse. You ran track as a freshman, 4.69 GPA, CIF State Scholar Athlete of the Year, first team all-league as a wide receiver, tied the school record for receptions in a season, all-league soccer twice, second team all-league in lacrosse. What what didn't you do or what didn't you win while there? Um, well, I wasn't able to match any of Michael's accomplishments in swimming, obviously, because <laughs> I didn't do it. So I guess there's that. Now, Chris, class of 21, football, soccer, lacrosse, 4.64 GPA, second team all league in football. Guys, where does the smarts come from? Our parents joke, but they don't know where it comes from. 
I'm not sure. I know Michael started off doing well in school and Matthew followed. So competitive brothers, I want to do as well as them. So I guess we can thank Michael for starting off doing well in school, but I, my parents don't know where it came from. That's what they always say. What was it like growing up in this house? Three brothers, ridiculously athletic father, uncle, and, and your grandfather played football for a time at Notre Dame. Was there ever a calm moment around here where you weren't playing anything or competing against each other? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think there's a moment I can remember where there was one of us not playing, playing anything or doing anything. And what was it like? Was there always competition going on, whether you're playing a board game, whether you're playing something outside? Were there fights? Were there arguments? Were there, did mom and dad have to come to the rescue and say, hey, treat your younger brother like this? Or, or were you guys as younger brothers on your own to fend for yourself and figure out how to beat your older brother? Um, usually it's Chris who has to run to the parents and get some, some help. But Michael and I have always been able to take care of ourselves, I'd say. I would say the older two like to gang up a little bit, but it's always competitive. Um, always, like Matthew said, playing horse outside, board games, video games, no matter what it is, competitive. How much fun was it for you guys? You know, after you bloody each other up, you, you roughhouse a little bit, but then it, at the end of the day, you're, you're still brothers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. Like, I mean, we come home and we still, like, like yesterday we, we went and, and kicked field goals and, and Chris still kicks so Matthew and I haven't kicked in however many years and we, we still go out and, and beat them and, and, and horse or whatever that we do, kick I, field goals. I was going to mention that. I saw a video on social media. Now, do you just jump the fence at the high school, look for the police and then say nobody's around? I'm just bringing my kicking stuff out there and, and you go? The high school is usually open, but sometimes, yeah, you have to take the back entrance in. But um, it's normally been open, and you can get on campus. And as long as the coaches are nice about it and they're not out there practicing, they're fine with it. Um, yeah, I've been trying to get on whatever fields I can to go out there and kick and use uprights. Because I've seen West Ranch. I think I've seen Saugus. I, I think I've seen Hart. Um, I have the key to Golden Valley if you need to get up <laughs> there. Um, but the, the great work ethic, great determination. But what were your favorite sports growing up? I'd say soccer was probably my favorite sport. Okay. And I was going to say soccer as well. Really? Um, I think by the end, like I didn't play lacrosse until late, but I really loved playing lacrosse at the end of my, my high school career. You know, it's, it's funny with the, the explosion of lacrosse out in this Valley and, and in the on the West coast, I see a lot of kids and I, I played it in college, albeit very poorly. My sons played it. And you go to a park and you see all these kids playing baseball, but you're out there with your sticks and you're throwing and you're, you're doing whatever. And the poor little kid in right field is looking at everybody going, that really looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. And a lot of kids have gravitated from baseball into lacrosse because it is so much fun. Um, were you always on the same team or did you play against each other? And, and how was that? Um, well, for, for Matthew and I, we were always um, on the same team. Um, unless it was like, like in practice or something where we'd like do scrimmages against each other. Um, other than that, yeah, we've always been on the same team. Were you, were you guys supportive of each other or were you trying to compete with each other? Uh, if we were on different teams, we were definitely trying to compete with each other. When were you on a different team? Give, give me a, a time when you were on a different, whether it was a baseball team, a, a soccer team. Um, just like scrimmaging, like, like in soccer, if we would have like a scrimmage or something in practice and like they'd pick teams, we'd usually be on different teams. And that was on purpose because the coach wanted to see you guys go at it. I would say, 
I mean, probably, yeah, I would assume. And then you're the little brother. You're just the youngest one. You're just kind of sitting there watching everything happen going, boy, I'm glad I'm not involved in that. Sometimes. And then freshman year, Matthew and I played a little bit of soccer together. And then now they come back and practice with the soccer team every once in a while. And uh, they're alumni are usually on the different team than uh, the students there. So we compete a lot and very competitive when we do that. What do you learn from each other? What did you take away from each other from competing against each other? Because after you beat up on your little brother or or you get the better of your older brother, you, hey, what did I do well? What what can you help me with? Was there any ever ever any of that? Um, well, I think I probably am in like the best position out of the three of us in terms of like, I have Michael who's like a little, like a year and a half older than me. So he's always, we were close enough that we could always compete, but he was always old enough that he was better. So like, I always had something like right in front of me that I was chasing. So I feel like, at least for me, like, I feel like my position in the three brothers, I, I lucked out the most in terms of gaining from the competition. And you don't suffer from the middle child syndrome at all. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, what was it like growing up, going to so many different practices, having so many different activities? Did your mom or dad ever drop the wrong one off at the wrong practice? Uh, no, not, not that I can remember, but I mean, it would, it was tiring. Like, I remember there were times like at Crespi, like over the summer, we would um, like we would have football, like lifting and practice in the morning. And then after like after that, we would have soccer practice. And then at night we would we would have lacrosse practice. So we'd have to like like three in a row kind of um, during summer. And that would always be tiring. But how much fun was it knowing that I had one thing to go to, then I had another one, then I had another one? instead of just being dialed into that one sport where it can just get boring and monotonous the whole time? I mean, it was a lot of fun. Like, I mean, I'm by the end of my soccer career, like I love playing soccer, but at the end of my like competitive career, like it was definitely like kind of getting old because I'm playing it uh, the longest. Um, but it was always nice knowing like I get to go to, like, to lacrosse after this um, or swimming or track, whatever, whatever it was. Now, since you played so many sports, how did playing multiple sports help you in other sports? For example, I think soccer and lacrosse, very, very similar, very much alike. Football, you know, certain positions in football are very much like lacrosse. How did it help you guys get better in those, in any other sport? Um, I think the best example I can think of is from football to soccer. Michael and I, and Chris, um, having played football, gives us such an advantage, I think, in the air with soccer. Like We were always the ones who would be going up for headers on corner kicks or um, defending them. And I think, I don't know, I've always felt like the football players who play soccer always have an advantage in the air. Um, that's just one example that I can think of. Youngster, Chris? I think staying in shape. Um, I know soccer is probably the most physically demanding in terms of uh, staying in shape with running. And that would keep me in shape with football and lacrosse. And then, just like you said, not getting bored of one, um, helping me stay focused and not – I had something to look forward to, like Michael said, so I wouldn't burn out right away. Did it motivate you going into the other one saying, boy, you know, I'm really tired of football right now. I can't wait for soccer. And boy, I'm kind of tired of soccer. I can't wait for lacrosse to start. No, yeah, uh, definitely. Like I remember, I mean, my, I think my senior year playing football, like we, I think we like barely missed the playoffs by like one game or something. And it like, obviously it was like upsetting because we missed the playoffs in the senior year, but it was also like that very same day, I was excited because I got to go to like my first soccer practice of the year. So that was always fun. 
Now, for birthdays and Christmas, did you guys ever get anything other than sports equipment? When you, when you got a pair of socks or a T-shirt or something, you're like, Where, where's my lacrosse stick or or a new football or something? Yeah, we were big into uh, into Legos, so we used to get a lot of Legos. We really? still, yeah, we still have a bunch that we play with. You're yeah. still the 20-something years old, and you're still building Legos. Yeah, I still get Legos for Christmas. <laughs> that's right so now. that's that's so cool. Um, you guys all you played so many sports, fan, phenomenal GPAs. How did you juggle everything? Organize your time. Were you doing homework driving down to Crespi? Were you doing homework coming home? A lot of late nights, a lot of helping each other. I think playing sports constantly helped me juggle the academics because it forced me to stay organized. So I knew that when I got home, I had to do homework right away because I didn't have the time that I would if I didn't play play sports. If I got home and I knew I had six hours to do an hour of homework, I'd probably put it off till the very end. Whereas when I got home after practice, I knew I didn't have as much time, so I had to do it right away and get it done. What what drives each of you, Chris? What what drives you? I think it started with wanting to be better than the older two and wanting to keep up with them, but also just love of the sports and continuing to want to be better in the classroom as well. So I, I also enjoy the sports and I want to keep playing them and I want to play in college. Like I'm hopefully playing in Notre Dame and that's what drives me motivation for the future. Matthew, what, what drives you? Uh, well, kind of like I said earlier, I feel like I've always been chasing Michael. Um, so I think that's been a big driver for me. And I just think we've reached a point with the three of us that we all kind of just have a standard that like, we want to achieve. Um, and I think that's something that like all three of us are kind of pushing towards. Um, I, I guess for me, it was just always, I mean, setting my own path. Um, cause like I didn't, my dream school was Notre Dame. Um, and I didn't get in, but then, um, when I got to SMU, I had like, I've had a different experience. And so I guess, yeah, just doing, doing my own thing and, and making my own path, I guess. Was there ever, ever any doubt that you guys would not go to Crespi? Um, well, I guess I was the first one. So I, I mean, I had a choice. It was for me, it came like I, um, when I was looking at schools, it came down to Crespi and Notre Dame. Um, oh, that would have been tough in a yeah. Salerno family <laughs> Crespi where, where the blue and gold in college, but in high school, that's boy, that's a tough one. I know. I, I, I didn't know how it would be going, um, to an, an all guy high school, um, coming from like middle school and stuff. But, uh, I, I ultimately chose Crespi and I, I don't regret it. And Matthew. I, I mean, I technically have the choice too, okay. but I think we kind of just always knew I was going to Crespi. Like I definitely like went through the motions of going to like the, the eighth grade days and stuff like that. And, uh, but I mean, just seeing Michael at Crespi, like I, I knew that was the place for me. And it was just the easiest decision, I think, for our family. Chris, same with you. I would say the same as Matthew. I technically had the choice too. And my parents were like, well, you should go to Notre Dame for seventh day, look at other schools just in case. And I said, no, I want to go to Crespi. So I don't think there was really much of a choice in my head. Well, if the older two were going there and you go to Notre Dame, I mean, talking about beating up on the little brother, it's like it would be saying going to Chaminade or something. And sure. with all due respect to Chaminade, um, Knowing the philosophy of Crespi, did any of you guys get any flack from any coaches playing multiple sports? Was there anybody that kind of, you know, didn't really want you to because they wanted you to wanted to hold on to you for that one sport? No, I, I got very lucky. That was another thing that I got lucky with at Crespi was being able to play multiple sports. Um, like I know, like our strength coach, Coach Garner, um, he was like a huge proponent of, of multi-sports um, and he was a big a big help with that. Cause I mean, we would be 
we'd be lifting with coach Garner, like for football, but we'd have like a soccer game that day. So he would like work with us on that. Um, and, and all of, all of our head coaches, um, were, were very good about that and very supportive, um, of like us playing multiple sports. Do you guys, Chris and, and Matthew, you felt the same way about it all? Yeah. yeah, it's, same thing. yeah it's And at a school that doesn't have a lot of people, it's one of those things where we have to maximize if we have kids that are good athletes, we, we need them to play as much as much as possible. And I, I think that's what Crespi does. And I think they've always done that. Um, do you feel that you lost out on development in one sport because you played so many others? Or do you feel that playing so many helped you develop other skills for those other sports? Um, I would say yes and no. I think I definitely would have developed faster had I just picked one sport or two sports, but there's definitely the possibility I would have been burnt out and just gotten sick of something. So I think it it was a good balance for me, at least. I don't know about you two. And Chris? I would say I wouldn't think so. I like having the idea of moving to different sports. And I mean, I've pursued kicking probably the most and I can still kick throughout the year in the off season for football, even though I'm playing soccer and lacrosse. So I found a way to continue working on football while playing the others. And Michael, same thing with you. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Um, like kind of like with Matthew, like yes and no. Like, um, like specifically like going to college. Like, I mean, you're going to, like I'm going against guys who have played football for like their entire lives, um, and that's all they've done. But at the same time, like like sometimes those are also the kids who who are getting tired of the sport as well. Yeah. Well, let's talk college, Michael. You're the oldest. Let's start with you. You walk on at SMU. How did you find your way down to Texas? Um, I just like when I was applying to schools. Um, I think my my mom had heard about SMU, um, and I ended up applying there. And by the time I got all my acceptances, um, my I, I narrowed down my choices to SMU and UCLA, and I kind of wanted to get out of California and get away from home, so I, I chose SMU. Now, years ago, walk-ons were treated like second-class citizens. What was your experience as a walk-on going there? Much different place, probably didn't know anybody because their recruiting is mostly probably from the South. You're the California kid. Number one, was the first question they asked you, do you surf? Yeah, I've been been asked that a couple of times. Just because you're from California. You can be from Lodi, California, and they're going to ask you if you surf. Yeah. That's what a a poor stereotype of us Californians. But what was your experience like as a walk-on? My first year um, with the, with the original coaching staff, um, it was, it was a lot different than now. I'm very thankful for the coaching staff I have now. Um, Walk-ons weren't really like, I mean, you're not really looked at or anything. You're just kind of, kind of a body out there. Um, and that's for the most part, what, what you always will be. Um, but then once, once, um, coach Dykes and his staff got there, um, uh, I mean, they looked at everyone, evaluated everyone, um, like pretty fairly. And luckily I got like a chance, um, to contribute to the team and, and be looked at. Now I saw on social media the day you were awarded a scholarship and I'm not going to ask you, what did that feel like? Because it, it's just a stupid question because you're not going to look at me and go, you know, it felt like crap that, I got, I got awarded a scholarship, but walk me through the day and the events leading up to that. And did you have any idea what was happening? Uh, I kind of did like earlier in the week. I remember coach Dyke said something about like a walk on potentially getting a scholarship. Um, 
and I was hopeful that would be me, but I, I didn't know. Um, and I think the night before I, I had called Matthew and I had talked to him about it, like, Oh, like I could maybe get a scholarship. Um, and then, yeah, that next day, like the next morning, um, like, I mean, it was an amazing feeling to say the least, but yeah. It's gotta be a great feeling to know that all the hard work you put in is, is, is finally being paid, paid off, rewarded by somebody who sees what, what you do. Um, now football in, in Texas is a religion. Have you gone to a high school game and can you even compare it to California? Um, I have not gone to a high school game. I've been invited to go, but I haven't been able to make it to some um, just because it's during our season as well. But no, I mean, you can't, you can't compare it. Like I've, I've seen pictures. I mean, they've, they have stadiums there. I mean, it's not, it's not like anything else. It's, it's not like a rickety old set of bleachers and a, and a little press box. You fit three people. And yeah. these are, these are cathedrals, 60, $70 million that, that people pay for high school football. Yeah. I mean, for, for a while, I mean, SMU just got an indoor facility, like I think two or three years ago um, now. And for a while when we didn't have one, when it would be, when it would be raining or there'd be like thunderstorms or something, we would have to go to the high school indoor facilities because they all have indoor facilities <laughs> to go and train there. So here's a, here's a, a full fledged division one university that was on the top of the college football pinnacle many years ago before Craig James and Eric Dickerson, you know, took money and you've got to go to a high school stadium facility, which is better than yours to practice. Yeah. Luckily now, I mean, our, um, our indoor facility now is, is unreal. Um, but yeah, for, for my first year there, yeah, we, we had to, but luckily now we have, I mean, an amazing facility. Do you have aspirations or did you throughout your college career to play another sport? Um, not really. It was always, for me, it was always, I wanted to play college football. Um, I was, I was kind of getting tired of soccer. Um, and I was, I was too new to lacrosse to really carry that anywhere. Um, but I'd always wanted to play football. Now, what advice did you give Matthew about walking on that that helped him with his journey to Notre Dame? Um, pretty much not to not to care about what anyone else's opinion is, like whether it was like a coach or anything like that. Because I mean, a lot of places um, coaches look at walk like look down on walk ons or just look right past them. Um, and walk-ons are, are typically the ones to be blamed. Um, like I said, I've been very fortunate in my experience um, to not have that, but um, but pretty much just like don't care about what anyone else thinks of you. Matthew, same kind of questions with with your experience. You know, you walk on at Notre Dame. You, you obviously you got accepted academically, whereas you know a lot of schools will just look at your forty time and say, oh, you ran a four five. Wow, that looks like it's your GPA too, but. You know, Notre Dame is it's it's academics first. What was your experience like? Kind of the same thing? Uh yeah, kind of the same thing. I think one of the biggest shocks I had was just the size and the, the speed at first. Um that's to be expected, but I think once once you get settled in it's you're you're not too overwhelmed by it. Now Notre Dame, I you know, we we watch Channel Four every every weekend. I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. There's something about that place that is just so special that you either love it or you hate it. Walking down that staircase and touching that sign for the first time, how do you control the emotions of that? Because I know that, 
you know, like, like, you know, with, with your brother here getting a scholarship, it's a dumb question to say, what did it feel like? Mm-hmm. But what goes through your mind as you're walking down that staircase and you're putting your hand on that sign? Um, it's kind of one of those things where it almost feels like you're, you're dreaming or it's not real. Like, like if you see like a celebrity in person, you're like, you kind of do like a double take, like, is that really who I think I'm seeing? And like, for me, it was just it, like, it honestly just doesn't feel real. Um, even, I mean, second, third, fourth, fifth time you get to do it. It just, it just gets better every time. It's then the emotions running through you as you, as you run out of that tunnel and, although it was a little bit different this year, but, you know, in the years past, it's, it's gotta be, and, and, you know, we see Alabama, we see Tennessee, we see Clemson with Howard's rock and Tennessee where they split the T, but there's just something about Notre Dame and you've played, you both played in, 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 you know, huge stadiums and full of packed houses. Is Notre Dame just different? It is just different. I mean, to me, it's not the loudest, it's not the biggest, but, I mean, there's just something, there's just a feel to it. And um, there have been other players from other teams who have said the same thing, that there's just something different about, not even just the stadium, just the campus and the feel. Um, it's just, I mean, difference, really the only word, unique, I guess. Yeah, I've been, I've been there a couple of times for, uh, for an SC game, for a Boston College game. And even the old 90-year-old ushers that are walking around they will see you and they will give you that welcome to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You know, some places, if you're wearing the other team's gear, you know, they're, they're throwing stuff at you and they're, you know, why are you here? But it, it is different. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a good thing. Now your grandfather, Frank was a student played football there. How happy is it that you're there and that you, Chris will end up going there? Uh, very happy when, I mean, I, I didn't think Chris wouldn't get accepted, but when he did and I got the news, I was obviously very happy, even though it was what I was expecting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty fun. You're a punt returner and the way you became a punt returner is, is, is kind of cool. How did that come to be? I'll let you tell the story because I know it and I, I read about it. Um, well, I think the story they told might be different from the story. Of give me the, happened. give me the real story. Um, so <laughs> I believe it was the, um, the Wednesday before the game that I got the first start in and our, our starter had, I think he had COVID, so he was in quarantine. Um, and we had some guys back there catching the ball. And, um, you know, they came up to me. They came up to the receiver and said, hey, like, if you guys are smart, like, you'll go back there and try and catch some balls and, you know, try and get a shot. Because, like, we don't have – like, we just had, like, our skill guys back there, like guys who hadn't really done it before. Um, so, I mean, I would caught punts from Chris. Um I mean, never really in a game and obviously a high school game is different than a college game. So I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I went up to the coach's office and said, Hey, if you'll take me seriously, I'll actually go back there and I'll catch some punts for you. He said, okay. So, um, I caught some after the next practice, didn't drop any. Um, and then Thursday, I think it was Thursday. Um, I went back there again and caught all of them. And no one, no one ever actually said to me, like, you're starting. Like they just, they're like, so yeah, on Saturday, like, this is what we're going to do. Like, make sure you like you fair catch this, blah, blah. And so I just kind of assumed. And then all of a sudden Saturday rolled around and I was the guy and it kind of just went from there. What was it like now? Who was the game against and what was it like catching that first punt? Um, so it was versus South Florida. And uh, I think, I think it was actually my fifth rep out there. Okay. It was the first one I caught because 
they kicked one out of bounds, kicked one or two out of bounds. We blocked two of them. They ran a fake. Um, so I was just, I mean, I was dying to catch the ball. And the first one I caught, I actually heard a whistle from the stands. So I thought the play was over and I was going to let it go. And I was like, I should just catch it. And then I catch it and look up and everyone's coming at me. So that was kind of my, my first experience. What's that like? You're waiting for the ball. And if a punter's got really good hang time, you're, you're waiting a long time for 10 guys that want to come down and rip your head off. And you're, what goes through your mind? Catch it, catch it, catch or don't catch it. What? Um, I mean, I'm just focused on catching the ball. Like if, if I get hit, I get hit. Um, it's, I mean, ball security is job security. So that's all I'm really focused on. If I catch the ball and get nailed for zero yards, that's the same as a fair catch. So, um, well, I was watching the the Syracuse game. I think it was Syracuse and, and you caught a ball and you just got hammered. Mm -hmm. Paint flew off your helmet. I think your mouthpiece came out. How did you get up from that hit? (laughs) <laughs> or did you see it coming? Did you uh, think I didn't see it coming? Okay, because <laughs> uh, I was just I dropped the initial catch and was just looking at the ball, um, and I kind of just got up and walked off the field. That was. Did you at least go to the right sidelines? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, with the help of whoever was grabbing my shoulder right. and dragging me over there, but yeah. Um, I've got to ask about the seasons. You know, you beat Clemson, you lose to Clemson, you lose to Alabama. You know, a, a lot of people say Notre Dame you know, they don't belong. They're only there because of the money. But do you guys as a team ever, does that ever come up as a topic of conversation or are you guys just focused in your coaching staff says, don't listen to anything. We're going down. We're going to try and take care of business. And unfortunately it, it hasn't worked out, but does anybody pay attention to all the garbage that these people say? Um, I think there's always the talk of, you know, ignore the noise. Like don't listen to them. Uh, but there's certainly a feeling on game day of, you know, let's go prove people wrong. Um, so it's a little bit of both, but I mean, you can't, you can't not hear that stuff. Like it's out there and you're going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate because when you look at the landscape of college football, the way that they do things, there's never been one perfect system and it doesn't seem like anybody's got a plan to put a perfect system in place. Mm-hmm. So if Notre Dame keeps making it, I'm going to keep rooting for Notre Dame because I was not nearly smart enough to get in there. I know where it is and and I will root for them until, you know, they're, I'm not able to watch football anymore. So if they get in and people hate it, I don't care. I just go stick it to them. The bunch of, I call them twidiots, the Twitter idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, you just got accepted. Notre Dame is a preferred walk on. And, and you said that the coaching staff told you to let them know when you got accepted to the school which is not like most places. What went through your mind when they extended that offer to you? I was very excited. I obviously, I got in first and I believe it came out at 342 and I had text Matthew and text Michael and a few other people. And then I sent a direct message to the coach and he responded right away and told me I had a spot and that we'd uh, finalize the rest of the stuff through the next few days. And that was very exciting. Like Matthew said, it doesn't, sometimes stuff like that doesn't feel real. And almost did feel like a dream. And I had to go to practice right after. And I was sitting there at practice still thinking about it. Like, wow, that that really just happened today. And, and it's just got to be great now that you're going to go play with your brother. Are, are you going to room together? Or, or is the older brother Matthew saying, you, dude, you are not coming anywhere near my dorm? Or, I mean, I don't know. If I go back during the summer, I might live with him for the summer. But I know he's living off campus next year. And I'll obviously be on campus in the dorm. So 
Hopefully he'll let me come over to his apartment if I need to, but I think he will. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, there's like a $20 entry fee. Now, I saw Josh Bryan from Sierra Canyon sign a letter of intent. Did that obviously didn't have any influence on you? He's one of the top rated kickers in in the country. Is there going to be a little San Fernando Valley, you know, rivalry coming for? I'm friends with him. I've kicked. He works with the same kicking coach as me, Cole Murphy, and we've kicked together. We went down to John Carney to kick together a few times, and he had actually been asking me constantly if I had heard because he he wanted to know if I got in, if I was coming. And um, when he was originally committed to Colorado, and he thought that I was going to go to Notre Dame after I got accepted. So I'm friends with him. He's excited that I'm coming. I know it'll be fun to go with him and be there with someone I know and continue to compete with them. And a, a true story about Cole Murphy kind of off the subject. My One of my kids was about 10 years old, and I had Cole on a, an, an ASO soccer team. And I needed a goalie. And Cole says, I want to be the goalie. And I'm like, okay, son. He shows up to a game, and I still joke with him to this day when I see him, when he's at Calabasas or Valencia, wherever. Shows up to a game wearing a pink headband. And I said, Cole, are you sure you really want to wear that headband? He's like, yes, coach, I do. And and Cole's a great guy. And I know he does a lot of work um, out here and, and and throughout Southern California with, with a lot of guys um, trying to get you to the next level because you don't see a lot of kickers getting scholarships. It's kind of like the long snappers. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of long snappers get scholarships. It's kind of one of those specialty things that people do, but you know, you're going to get the walk on. What have they told you about, you know, the prospects for you coming next year? Just come in and compete. And I mean, I feel like it's going to be a pretty open competition and come in and compete and see what I can do. And wherever they need me, I'll, I'll help them out. How do you guys push each other? Do you push each other now that you're older, now that the sibling rivalry stuff may be over from being 10, 11, 12 years old, but how do you push and support each other? There's still a lot of trash talk, I would say. Like Michael said, we were out kicking yesterday, and they, they like to compete with me. So I had been out there for a while, and Michael comes out, and they beat me in a game of pig um, kicking. And it's a lot of trash talk, and they always joke about, well, it'll get you better because then you won't hear the noise when you're in college or when you're in high school, and it'll get you better. And when you're out kicking, do you, do you yell and scream at each other like you're going to miss it, you're going to miss it, to kind of throw your nerves off a little bit? And you being the oldest here, are you kind of the ringleader to the whole thing? Um, honestly, I'm not the one, I don't have to say anything personally, (laughs) because I'm the one who wins every time. But, uh, I would say Matthew's, Matthew's the big trash talker who, who like, he'll take like a jab step at you, like when you're about to kick or something like that. And it's got to help your focus too, because, you know, I saw somebody commented, you kicked the 60 yarder on social media. That was, that was you. So you're a punt returner, but you can still drill at 60 yards. And I saw these people were coming, we'll do it in a game, do it with people rushing. It's like, you know, you could probably take 99% of those people, put the ball on the tee from the 10-yard line, and they probably wouldn't make it to the five-yard line. Mm-hmm. I Do you pay attention to social media at all and, and these idiots that are out there on there? I mean, it's kind of like what, what I said before. Like, it's hard to avoid it. Um, and, like, sometimes use it as fuel. But the stuff on Twitter is, like, like it's not even it doesn't even have enough work really to use yeah. this fuel. Like it's someone with five followers who yeah. I mean who knows who they are. Like <laughs> and they're begging account. begging for their sixth follower. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's next? Um, what's next for you? Um, graduating or graduated? 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm graduating uh, this spring, um, but I'm, I'm still planning to use I – I have two more years left of eligibility, okay. so I'm still planning on, on uh, using my remaining two. And you're going to just kick, or do you have aspirations to play another position – Maybe no. like your brother go back there and return some punts. I've uh, I've only kicked once um, at SMU. Uh, I I play safety. Okay. Um, and but mostly I'm just playing on special teams, like running down on kickoff. Um, but I did my sophomore year. I kicked off for one game. Um, but yeah, I mean my my goal is just to to continue to to work my way on special teams um, and see where that takes me. And how weird was it during this this was just a season like any other because it was a year like any other with with COVID. You guys you played some games had you know I saw some got canceled but you you played you guys played um, high school. We're we're still hoping that you know the the county department of health gives us the green light to play. But how weird was it practicing? team meetings, doing everything on Zoom, and playing games where it's usually in front of a full stadium, but you're playing only in front of maybe 15, 20,000 people. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely weird um, to start, like, the whole the whole Zoom meeting um, and stuff like that. Like, that was definitely weird because, I mean, usually you're you're up at 6 a.m. or whatever time, and then you're you're in the building at 6.30, ready to, to go and meet. But then now all of a sudden you, you just roll out of bed and, and – you're just you just get on your phone or, or your computer or something and, and get on the meeting for practice. What was it like for you, Matthew, and, and the whole experience with this this madness? Um, I think it was definitely tough to get used to at first, but it's kind of gotten to the point where it's the norm, so it doesn't really feel weird being in like a Zoom meeting or a meeting in a huge auditorium and there's like four seats between everyone. Um, and I think like with the games, most of them seemed like pretty normal. Um, the only game that really stood out to me was Boston College because they had zero people in the stands at all. So that was weird. But I mean, even even just a, a half full or a quarter full stadium, it's I mean, it's not the same, but it's it's enough that you're not really thinking about it. You can still hear your mom and dad yelling, "Catch it, catch it! Don't drop it! Don't it's, drop it's it!" It's loud enough <laughs> that you can't hear that. But but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's different. And Chris, being in high school, obviously it's a lot different because you don't have these huge auditoriums and everything. Everybody's at home. What's it been like at Crespi for you guys? Because I know you're lifting. Um, I was actually talking to Coach Porter the other night. I know you guys are lifting. You're, you're out on the field practicing. What's it been like for you guys? That's still very strange to me. Um, we haven't been allowed to lift in the weight room since I think the summer we lifted in there for one week and then we were told we couldn't do it anymore. So it's weird to lift outside and be – lifting on the field and when we have groups of like five to 10 kids for practice and then we really do footwork drills and everyone's, we've been doing it for so long now that everyone's like, it's normal, but it's still not normal for us. And it's gotta be really boring and monotonous and you just want to look, gosh, can we just go play a football game? Cause there have been how many States that have played football and are, I don't want to call them leaders up in Sacramento because they couldn't lead a trail of ants to a picnic in my opinion. But how how chomping at the bit are you guys to just get back and just put pads on and, and go play a game? I think everyone's ready and we're we're waiting and still hopeful, but it's almost to the point where everyone's like, okay, we're we're almost done with this because yeah. we can't do it much longer. Yeah, it, it it gets it's banging your head against the wall and hoping the headache goes away. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been a pleasure for me. I remember watching you guys play against my my who my youngest who's now twenty one in ASO soccer and. I remember talking to your dad about how good you are, and it looks like it's all coming to fruition. 
um, both academically, athletically. It's, it's insane how smart and how good you guys are. Right now, I just want to throw five off-the-wall questions that are not sports-related. And whoever wants to answer, answer. The talent you have off the athletic field that nobody knows you have. I won't speak for myself, but I'll speak for Matthew. Matthew's definitely a stand-up comedian. Now, I feel like did, most people know that. Does Matthew know that? No. I, w- I think Matthew does. Um, I think I wouldn't call myself a stand-up comedian. I think if I've had to give speeches in the past as like a student council member or something like that. And I think, I guess I did a good job preparing them, but if you put me in front of a room right now with nothing prepared, I would, I wouldn't say I'm a stand-up comedian. But how do you find it difficult to speak in front of people? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I mean, in the past, it was definitely something I had to learn how to do. Um, but I think it's something you get used to once you do it a lot. And you've told a joke that didn't go over very well? Um, not that I can recall. I, I probably erased it from my memory. It was <laughs> that embarrassing. Who's the smartest? Probably Matthew. I would agree. Sadly, I'd have to agree with that. Sadly? Yes. I would like to say myself, but Matthew's on another level, I would say. Thank you. What are you going to study? Or what are you studying? I'm studying aerospace engineering. Right oh, now. he's definitely the smartest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you build the rocket ships out of it, Legos, it and sa- they—it act- sounds smart, but it's—it's it's not that. Yeah, so you built the Legos that actually flew, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm trying to build a little house, and you're building a rocket that goes. Uh, who had the most dates in high school? Uh, I would say Michael. I mean, Michael. yeah. I, mean, I don't. I mean, Matthew and I both had had girlfriends like throughout high school. Um, but yeah, I don't know, maybe me. Who's the best cook? Oh, I am. What? I, ma- I make a I make a mean uh, pasta with uh, some dino some dino nuggets chopped up and thrown in there. Chicken nuggets and pasta. Yeah, it's pretty good. With what kind of sauce? I mean, now you're some a Salerno. You're you're Italian. Some marinara it's, sauce. It's like some chicken you, some chicken parm. You don't put you don't put sugar in your gravy though, do you? No. Okay, good. Because that's that's wrong. Being an Italian, that's wrong. Who has the hottest temper? Michael. Michael. Wow. I no hesitation at yeah. all. Wow. Yeah. And why? I, I don't know why. I just felt it's, it's just me though. You just, just and what what got broken in this house? That nothing's been broken in this house that that I've just misplaced. Broken. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, guys, thanks, Matthew, Michael, Chris, for uh, t- taking the time to join me this week. It's It's been an absolute blast. Best of luck to you and your, your future endeavors. Let's hope that, you know, you, you get a, you know get those two years at SMU. You guys, you know, break the ice in the, in the national championship and you go and you have a successful career there at Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, you, you guys come from a great family. I've known your dad for Oh, I graduated. Well, I didn't. They asked me to leave high school around 1982 and said, you've been here long enough. But I've I've known your dad that long and and your uncle Butch that long. But, you know, thanks for taking the time to do this. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank Thank you so much. Yeah. Once again, everybody, please stay safe. Remember, follow the protocols. It's really not that hard to wear the stupid mask. Let's do our best to get high school kids back out there before it's too late. Once again, thanks for joining me here. If you've got suggestions for future podcasts, Feel free to reach out to me at email tonymoskell at gmail.com or on Twitter at Tony Moskell. Until the next time, enjoy the rest of your day. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.